Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host on this podcast. It's so good to spend this time with you. Thank you for downloading and listening. If you find this episode or any of our episodes remotely helpful, we would love it if you would share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you use. Tell people you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it's only through word of mouth that people hear it that it even exists. Um, today's episode is a bit different. So I had a planned episode to drop for today. It will get knocked back for next week. Don't worry, it's coming. Uh, we'll continue the conversation on discipleship. Uh, but something happened this week that for me is really cool. And for me to explain to you why it's really cool, I need to tell you a story. So I'm going to tell you a story, which will then tell you why the thing that happened to me this week is really, really cool. So I hope you find this interesting. And if you, like me, have dyslexia or know somebody who's got dyslexia, I hope that this is an encouragement and a blessing. If you have got ADHD or or any... Um, Thing that people look at and see as a negative uh, I, I want you to find encouragement in this episode so friends we're going to jump straight in on an episode that I'm titling God can take your greatest weakness and make it your greatest strength so let's jump straight in so here we go I'm going to just remind you of a little passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says that he begged God to take away a thorn that was in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn is that was in his flesh. We can guess, uh, we can have ideas, but we actually have no idea. And in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that he begged God to take away, begged Jesus to take away this thorn for the flesh. And God's response back to him was, or Jesus' response was this, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response then is this, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This episode is entitled, God Can Take Your Greatest Weakness and Make It Your Greatest Strength. Uh, and in some ways, that is the theological framework that we might even use. You know, you've got my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now that passage really, the weakness it's talking about is sinfulness. But I think we can apply it to any form of weakness in our life. Anything in our lives that we see as weakness or loss. In Jesus, his grace is sufficient for us. He is sufficient for us. And our weakness can become a place of power and strength. And Paul's response to recognizing that this is how it works, this upside downness of it, he says, This I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses then, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, friends, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story of, of my life growing up in education. Um, from a very, very, very young age, uh, right from junior school, reading was a difficulty for me. And whilst I was at junior school, essentially what happened was um, the girls in the class did really well academically and the boys were struggling. And, uh, and when 
my parents approached the teachers and said, look, can we get Chris some extra help? Uh, can we buy him the books that you guys are reading in the class that we can be reading at home and we can help him with his reading? The teacher basically turned around and said, no, 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 don't worry about that. Boys just develop later than girls. And they made excuses and they said to leave it alone. Uh, but right from a young age, the narrative became, oh, leave it, just leave it. And right from a young age, something wasn't right. Reading was really not a, a thing that I wanted to do, and neither was it something that I could do. Uh, it was something that I really, really struggled with. Uh, right from a young age, I just couldn't focus. I couldn't commit to the sentence. I'd be halfway through a sentence. I couldn't be bothered reading it. I'd find myself reading the words, not the sentence. So a sentence didn't make any sense to me because I was just reading each of the words as individual words. Reading sentences just wasn't adding up. This was all at junior school. I was put down as a slow developer. Uh, and I was, my parents were told basically just to, to kind of let me be. Uh, and I went through junior school and it never got any better. I was at the bottom of all of the English classes. Um, but the thing was, because I was somebody that was bright in the sense that I could articulate, I could discuss, uh, I could play my part in the classroom. I wasn't somebody whose uh, inability to read made them badly behaved. Uh, not at all. Um, but it did mean that by the time I got to high school, uh, my reading was still not right. And my parents had ended up uh, getting somebody from the church to spend time with me. And, you know, it was down to simple things like B's and D's. They, they were teaching me the difference between a B and a D. Uh, one was pushing the ball and one was pulling the ball. And I had to, I was, you know, I was sort of learning all this basic stuff with this person who was coming round to teach me. I was going to their house to, to learn English and maths. Really, really struggling. Hey, high school. And it's, and it's still not uh, really working for me. And uh, I'm struggling in all the classes where reading and writing was involved. So history, which I, I took, I loved it. History, I loved hearing the stories of history. I loved uh, watching the, the screen as they showed pictures. I loved hearing the narratives. But the moment they said, here's a textbook, went out the window. The moment they said, write an essay, went out the window. Um, just really struggled with that written and writing work, but could understand things really you know very easily so it wasn't that I was thick just I was struggling to read and I was struggling to write and put that down and it was exhausting now in that time I ended up learning mechanisms of coping I learned that there were ways of being able to um, get through school one of these was sitting with the most intelligent kids so there was a group of lads in my history class who were really into Lord of the Rings. They were really into The Hobbit. These guys were book nerds. And I say that with a smile on my face because I'm totally a nerd. Uh, but these guys were really into reading. Uh, I remember one day they came in and they were reading a book about E.T. I'd watched the movie E.T. and there was a book that had come out called The Green Planet. It's like a follow-on story of E.T. And they'd all, they were all reading it. And I'm sat with them. I'd never read the book. Um, but I, I I, kind of picked up the story from them and I loved listening to them tell the story. Uh, so I hung out with intelligent kids and because of that, I was able to essentially not copy, but I was able to use them as, can you explain that to me again? How do you spell that? Uh, so I was, I was often using them almost like Google. Let me just check that. 
So I, I learned ways of coping. But that didn't mean that, that my grades were getting any better. It just meant that I was coping in the classroom. And they couldn't always work out why my classroom work and like an essay I had to do on my own or an exam, they just didn't match up. So what was being produced in the classroom was not being matched when I was working on my own. And they couldn't work out why. It's because I got coping mechanisms. So really struggling in high school. And I was in... Uh, the bottom English class and the kids that were in the class were essentially there because either they couldn't work they didn't want to work or they were just low low readers and often that that manifested in really bad behavior and in my English class one particular day it just turned into an absolute riot and the kids turned on the teacher a um, couple of kids threw bottles of Tipex at him He's covered in Tipex at the front of the class, which is quite comical to think about it now, but I mean, it's appalling behavior. And I'm sat there, I'm going, I don't, don't want to be in here. Like, this is, this, I was there because that was my reading age and writing age, but I wasn't there because it, it matched me. And I had, I was so fed up that in that, halfway through that lesson, I got my bag, I packed it, I stood up, I walked out into the corridor, and I walked into the next door class. And I took a chair and I sat down and I joined that class. It turned out to be the top class, uh, English class. This was like for the kids who were getting A's and A stars. And at the end, the teacher asked me what had happened, why I'd gone in. I explained, I said, I'm not going in there again. I'm done. And she said, that's fine. Stay in this class. So I stayed in the top. I went from the bottom to the top, not because of ability, because I just walked out of the class. That kind of helped me in some ways because now, again, I'm surrounded by kids who are of a similar kind of emotional age, uh, thinking people, can debate, can d d discuss, surrounded by people who could spell, that helped me out. Um, I remember reading The Hobbit. Uh, we were given a copy of The Hobbit to read and everybody in my class was you know, reading it. They read it in a, in, in a week or a weekend, some of them. I mean... Reading a book in a weekend is something. You know, some of them took a, took a week. Me, on the other hand, I couldn't get past the first chapter. Uh, I'd end up skipping pages. I ended up reading half a paragraph. I uh, skipped right to the very end and I read the last, last chapter or every other paragraph of the last chapter just to get a clue what this book was about. And, friends, I had no clue. I couldn't tell you what this was. I, I couldn't get my head around what this book was about. And we were meant to write an essay on it, and um, I, I, I fudged something, I handed it in, but it, it was pretty bad. So things are just not getting better. It got to GCC English. Friends, I got an E. E for English, F for French. Uh, I, I love that, it's easy to remember. E for English, F for French. Do you know what? I got A for art, A for design. I did drama, got a B. Uh, I could have done music, but I couldn't do all of them. When it came to the creative stuff, it was just like it happened. I could do it. I loved it, and I could just do it. My pieces of GCC artwork, uh, the teacher w was wondering if she could put it in for an A-level, uh, not just GCC. Uh, her conclusion was actually just to let me be and enjoy going to do my A-level art. Um, but essentially that's what she was saying could I put Chris's artwork in for an A-level so creatively my brain was functioning on all cylinders I was in a number of the school plays loved that stuff 
at church when there was dramas and skits and skits and sketches i was often in there playing the old woman uh comedy was something i absolutely loved uh there's a there's a a, a lad who uh who's gone on to do an, a, a stand-up comedy uh it's quite famous now he and i were were at school together and did some stand-up comedy together and um it's quite funny, I think. <laughs> it was quite funny. He's actually gone on to be a very well-recognised comedian. I won't mention his name, just in case he doesn't want to associate with me. Um, so when it comes to the creative stuff, the funny stuff, the humorous stuff, the musical stuff, learning instruments, could do all of that. Reading and writing, getting nowhere. I felt like a failure. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt that... There was something that uh, everybody else had that I that I didn't have. Uh, all my friends, uh, you know, I was friends with kids of the same level as me when it came to intelligence, when it came to creativity, when it came to uh, humour and life stuff. But when it came to English, uh, I just was not there. I, I it felt like there was just a fog. I was lost. GCC's came, got my E, and do you know what the funny thing is, right? So we actually, I don't know if my mum will want to admit this, but we cheated in my GCC English. My mum actually helped me with my coursework to try and help me lift up my grade. So my mum helped me with the coursework and I got a bit, I got an E. Uh, so that, that didn't help, did it? I'm not quite sure what that says, but got an E. I ended up going to do my A-levels and... Um, for the first year of my A-levels, I was doing chemistry, biology, and art. And halfway through the year, it just wasn't working. Uh, it was a bit of a negotiation. Um, you can't make money in art, and maybe science would be a direction that I could have a living. So with the negotiation with my parents, I did chemistry, biology, and art. And halfway through, I was like, this is just, this is just not working. I... It, it, it was all written reading work. It was all textbook work. It was not working. When it came to doing experiments, fine. Uh, but beyond that, it just was not working. And and the A-level uh, chemistry teacher, he was all over the girls. He loved the girls in the class and was not interested in the lads. So by the end of the first year, I am bombing in my chemistry. I do the exam and I, I scrape through, but I'm not doing well. So... I approached the design teacher and we agreed that I would do a two-year design course in one year. So I ended up in my second year doing art, doing design and doing uh, the biology. The biology I barely scraped through, but you can guess what, the art and the design I flew through. Uh, found that, so, you know, the first thing I designed in my design class was a costume for a play and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But during that time, because I'd failed my English, I had to redo my English. So I did. Now, redoing my English, I had to retake it. And in the the course that they did at the college, not the school, but the college, there was a verbal communication assessment. And I knocked it out of the park. And I did a whole communication on uh, snail racing, the international sport of snail racing. Knock it out of the park and end up doing really well in the in the uh, verbal uh, communication assessments. Not as well in the written, uh, but it meant overall I got a B. I got a B in my GCC because I did one, I did the verbal 
really well and it pulled up the written work so I ended up with a B after my A-levels I then go to art college at art college I'm in my A game it's a place where I am really thriving loving the work but there was one problem well actually one of the fun thing Damien Hurst you might have heard of Damien Hurst the desk that I had at art college at Leeds College of Art and Design uh, uh, the studio I was in was the same studio Damien Hurst had used and the desk that I was sitting at was the same desk that Damien Hurst had used uh, and after the the, um, the kind of the year of that I actually got a place to go to Goldsmiths in London and do um, some film photography stuff but during that year I just got this real sense of I'd really come to faith um, post GCSEs I'd really found Jesus as as the solution to the needs in my life and I found myself feeling this call for some form of ministry I didn't know what that was um, thought it might be youth work uh, and ended up uh, really sensing God's call to go and do theology which is preposterous knowing that I'm dyslexic uh, actually at this point friends I, I didn't really know I was dyslexic at this point I'd started to think and research and find maybe just maybe I am dyslexic maybe that's what's going on so it wasn't until the art college that really that started to make sense to me so I'd left at my A-levels I'd now gone to art college got sense of God's call on my life and ended up going and applying to go to Trinity College in Bristol to study theology uh, so I've now got a place and what was interesting about the uh, art course was the moment I told my lecturers that I was going to go to Trinity they almost abandoned me because they thought I was wasting uh, my natural gifting uh, and skill in art and creativity and they abandoned me and they left me to it and uh, what was really quite fun is because they abandoned me I worked on my own projects and I ended up getting a distinction at the end of the year I got one of the highest marks because I was left to my own devices and uh, they hated that even more because they were really upset I wasn't going go to go to goldsmith I was going to go to theological college they couldn't get it couldn't work it out but I arrived at theological college and we work out and it's in that time that, yeah, I am dyslexic. Um, that is the issue. I have, a, I have one of the forms of dyslexia, and it now makes sense to me. This is what has been wrong all these years. And all the ways that I've been working out coping mechanisms, I needed to learn new ones. I learned that highlighters can work really well for me when I'm reading. If I'm reading and highlighting as I read, then it's almost like I'm checking it off as I'm reading it, and I know what I've read. And that really, really helps me. It stops me from reading ahead because it means that I can see that this is where you're up to. Don't, don't skip ahead. So highlighters worked really well. I found that certain fonts worked for me really, really well. Some fonts didn't. Times New Roman is not a font for a dyslexic. Um, I, there is a, a, a font called Open Dyslexia uh, that is an outstanding font for dyslexics on Open Dyslexia. Uh, absolutely incredible font. It, that's only emerged in the last couple of years. Um, fun story about that is I wrote a children's story uh, a young teen story just for my kids a number of years ago and we took it on holiday with us and it was like 12 chapters this book quite epic book and it's all science fiction and um, I printed it all out and I'm trying to read it to them using a regular font and I was stumbling I was stuttering I was I was struggling and I loaded it up on my iPad and changed the font to open dyslexia and I ended up reading the entire book to them that summer holiday with absolutely no bother at all. There's something about that font, the way it, it weights the letters that just works for dyslexics. So I work out my highlighters, I work out the fonts. I also work out that Macs have a better spell checker 
than w w uh, Windows machines. Uh, so got myself a Mac. This was before people were buying Macs. Got myself a Mac, and that helped me write my essays as well. And I got myself through my degree. I got a, I got a good, I just scraped off a 2-1. I actually got a 2-2. Two -two. Uh, I, I just missed that 2-1. And it was all down to my dyslexia. It, it, what brought me down was the, the written work, but actually theologically, uh, my essays were, were spot on. Um, so theologically, I learned and I grew, but the written work was where I struggled. Friends, it didn't stop there. I went on to do my master's degree in theology while I was a youth worker. Um, in 2005, I got my master's degree in theology as well looking at things like ecclesiology. How does a dyslexic know words like this? Ecclesiology, missiology, um, learn all this language, can't spell it for toffee, um, but I could I could speak it, I could understand it. Um, and working around things, I, I could get myself through. Um, now this is where the story starts to take a bit of a turn. So, I'm a youth worker in Birmingham, and I'm really frustrated because there are no easy to read books for teenagers on the Christian faith. And all the books were produced by American writers with American um, language. So I decided I was gonna write a book for the young people at the church, it's just for them, nobody else. It's a book I called Naked Christianity. It was a book that um, was all about what would happen if you took Christianity back to its basics, naked Christianity. And we published it, uh, got it printed just for the kids at church. We gave it away to the kids get baptized, confirmed, come into faith, whoever, we'd, we'd give them a copy. And a publisher got hold of it and they said, can we publish this? It needed a good edit, but it's like, yeah, okay. And that was my first book that I got published. Can you imagine a dyslexic, failed GCC English, got an E, had now written a book for young people to understand the Christian faith, and it was now getting published. How does that work? It's only by the grace of God. Friends, I went on to write a whole bunch of books since then. Um, I can't remember now what my second book that I published was called. I'd have to go and have a Google, but it was a Q&A book. It was a book looking at the big questions of the Christian faith for teenagers. The first question in the book was about masturbation. So we went straight for the, the jugular um, with that book. That's out of print. That's why I can't remember the name now. It, it came and it went. But after that, I wrote Monkey's Orientation, Practicing Resurrection, which had two print runs wrote immeasurably more, one of my most fun books on the work of the Holy Spirit, how God has immeasurably more for us than we could ask, dream, think or imagine. Wrote a book on discipleship called Only the Brave. I wrote Making Disciples, uh, the book on discipleship. I wrote a Grove booklet uh, on six shifts that church leaders need to make if they're going to make, make a discipleship culture in their church. I uh, wrote a book called Restore, Renew, Rebuild. And 12 years ago, I published a book called Bible Book by Book, which got a second edition, second print this year with, with updates. And this, friends, is why you need to know all of that story. Because this week, the Bible Book by Book won an award. It has won the award of the best Bible reference book for 2022. 
the best Bible reference book for 2022. We talked about the Bible book by book on this podcast uh, in the past, but it's won an award. And it just really strikes me um, how God can take what is your weakness and if he's somehow involved with it through the work of the Holy Spirit that weakness can become one of your strengths now I wouldn't say it's my greatest strength but it's definitely a strength I am still dyslexic uh, that hasn't changed I love Grammarly on my computer that makes all the difference I've worked ways around it one of the biggest challenges I had as a dyslexic was my personal confidence in writing. When you've been told enough times uh, that nothing good will come of your, your written work, uh, you start to really believe that. But God can take your weakness and he can use it. Friends, what you think disqualifies you isn't a disqualification to him. And I have come to realize, friends, that dyslexia is not a disqualification, but is actually my superpower. The way that I'm able to read the Bible, the way that I see the Bible, the way that I experience the Bible, uh, when I'm reading it, I'm thinking in pictures, I'm thinking about the location, I'm thinking, well, where am I seeing this? Uh, when this is being said, I'm thinking in my head of that location, what, what do I understand differently about this passage because of the way that I'm visualizing it right now? My dyslexia is my superpower. Uh, when I come to preach, I can't preach from written notes. I can't read them. Um, I end up preaching from notes that are, you know, they're all there, but, you know, many other people look at them and go, I don't know what to do with this. But they, they're, they're just written in a way that makes my brain work. I've worked out a way around of being able to preach, preach with biblical rigour and do it um, with very little notes. I've, I've worked it out. Dyslexia has become my superpower. Preaching is something that I've realised I can do. Uh, I can stand confidently in front of people and I can teach uh, the scriptures because it's not written in notebooks because it's written in my head because it has to be. It has to be. Uh, it has to be in there uh, because that's where I'm preaching from my head not from the paper you know as Paul says uh, in Christ my weakness becomes a strength uh, in his power um, my weakness is made perfect um, without Jesus I in the work that he's doing in my life I cannot imagine ever doing what I've gone on to do uh, written wise and friends I'm now halfway through my doctorate, which is absolutely bonkers. I hate editing. I can't edit. I find it so difficult. It's one of those things that I just, my brain cannot focus on that detail in editing. I have to find people that can help me with that because I just can't. That's quite humbling, actually having to ask somebody, could you help me by editing what I've written? Uh, it It's a humbling thing for me because I have I don't want to have to say that to people. I don't want to be somebody who, who needs that help. But I do. I do need that help. So friends, this week, the Bible book by book is the reference, Bible reference book of the year. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe a boy with dyslexia who got E in English, who had to work with other people to uh, build up... Um, you know those essays how do you spell this what's going on here having to get 
other people's help to actually being able to write a book and now win an award for it. Friends said to me this week, Chris, are you proud? And you know what? It was really funny because I'm like, well, no, I'm not proud in me. I'm proud in the book. I said to my wife, it's a little bit like um, when you have a baby. Uh, you're, you're, you love that baby. You're proud of that baby. Uh, and it's a different entity. It's separate to you now. This thing that's maybe grown inside your wife is now separate from her. And it's an own, a different entity. It kind of feels like that in some ways. It's, it's an entity itself. And I love the fact it's won an award. But it's bizarre because it, it, I'm excited for it, not excited for myself which probably is something that I need to work through and, and kind of unpack at some point. But I'm so proud that it has flourished, that it has succeeded and continues to succeed and do so well. So friends, back to you. What do you see as your greatest weakness? What do you look at and think disqualifies you? What is it that you use as an excuse to not do something? Because friends, God can take our weaknesses and they can become our, our greatest strengths. God can take what we are least good at and somehow with the work of the Holy Spirit do something amazing with it. What is it that you have written yourself off with that today is a day that the Lord is saying, no, it doesn't disqualify you. In fact, I'm going to make sure that that thing becomes the thing that qualifies you. What is that for you? Paul says, God, I beg you to take away this thorn from my flesh. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, in some ways, this episode is about me trying to boast about my dyslexia, which is a hard thing to boast about. But if it wasn't for my dyslexia, I'm not sure God would be using me in this way that he does now. And just as I end, if you are dyslexic, then friends, don't let it stop you. Uh, it may become a, a superpower for you. And I'm telling my story because I'm realizing that there are others that need to hear that someone like me has dyslexia and that it is more than okay. It does not disqualify you. In fact, it could become something incredible if God was at work with it. So friends, I'm going to leave it there. Hey, if you want to pick up a copy of the Bible book by book, it's an award-winning book now, friends. It might be worth picking up a copy. Until next time, grace and peace. Have a great week. And we'll speak soon.